0: Hello and welcome to episode number 87 of the Hobbies and Happiness podcast where we talk all about the hobby that makes us happy tabletop gaming I'm your host Dan
1: I'm Jim and today we're talking with Silver
0: Fuse All right. We have got another interview in store for you today. Before before we get there, before we get there, we can talk about our sponsor, Amazon Audible. If you head over to our affiliate link, www.audibletrial.com, forward slash happiness happiness, sign up for your free 30-day trial of Amazon's Audible service. That's right. When you sign up, you get a free audiobook added to your account because Amazon Audible is Amazon's Audiobook service. What? I almost forgot that for a second. <laughs> I'm like, I know what it is, but it's just slow. It was here, but then slow coming out here. Anyway, uh, yes, that, that's right. Um, Amazon, it, Amazon, Audible is Amazon's audiobook service. So when you sign up, you get a free book, free credit added to your account. What's well, even better? If you are an Amazon Prime member, you get two. two. That's right, two. Mm-hmm. Two free credits added to your account. You can, you can use them on any books that are in the service. And what's even better? Better is if you cancel. If you cancel your subscription before the end of that thirty days, you don't get charged, and you get to keep those free books on your account for the for forever, forever, forever. for all time, forever. That's forever. right, forever. forever. So again, if you head over to our affiliate link, forward slash happiness, sign up for your free thirty trial of Amazon's Audible. All right. So today today is today today is a treat I've actually been looking forward to talking to Silver <laughs> fuse for a long time and you'll find out you'll, you'll find out why I'm actually I, I know I've told Jim this story before mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if I've if I've I'm sure I have mentioned it on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. But I just, I can't, I can't correctly remember if I've done that. But I know I've told him this story. Mm. So, um, and you'll hear that, you'll hear that here in a minute. But Silverfuse, that's right, is a fellow card game and strategy game content creator. She is also, a uh, esports host for games like Legends of Runeterra uh, and Teamfight Taxes. Those are those are her two big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, she also used to cast for the Elder Scrolls Legends, which is another card game that I had uh, that I've played before. And you heard uh, on one of our past episodes, we had Charmer on talked about Elder Scrolls Legends, um, and that's where I first came across Silverfuse and her content. Um, but you know what? Let's. I kind of want to get out of the way because I kind of want to get right into this because I for one had a lot of fun because Silverfuse is a creator. That That uh, kind of got me kind of into this space as well. So with all that being said, let's get out of the way and hope you enjoy the talk. All right. Joining us on the podcast today is Silverfuse. Silverfuse is a fellow card game and strategy game content creator. Uh, She creates content on YouTube, also Twitch live streams on Twitch. We are starting this off amazingly, folks. All right, and she has casted for games like Elder Scrolls Legends, Teamfight Tactics, and Legends of Runeterra. Silverfuse, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Really excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So before we start, I do have to tell you. So years ago, when you were creating content for Elder Scrolls Legends, Jim, I think I've told you this story before, but Silverfuse is the one where I was in her stream and oh, I cannot yeah. remember, <laughs> yeah, I cannot remember what deck she was playing, but I am watching the stream, okay? And I am l- I am enjoying Elder Scrolls Legends so much that I want to start making videos for Elder Scrolls Legends, okay? And so I'm watching the stream, relatively new to card games at that point, and she's playing, and then she keeps using this term ramp. And I'm like, ramp? What does what this term mean? So I type in chat, "Hey Silverfuse, what does ramp mean?" And so you answer my question in stream, and I have never forgotten that. <laughs> so thank you.
2: <laughs> hey, that's a, one of the great joys of live streaming is just being able to type in chat, and then assuming the streamer you know has either a small enough audience or it's just key to answering chat, being able to get the information just like that. It's so quick and. Also, too, the fact that you remember that years later—it's—it's it's so weird to think that random questions that I've answered for people four or so years ago—that it was just stuck with you. Of like, now I know what rampant card games means.
0: Well, a hundred percent, and and I know I, I tell you, I I know Jim appreciates that because I do a lot of ramping, and Jim loves ramping, isn't that you right? Know, Jim?
1: You know what ramp means to me, so that's what ramp means to Dan. Ramp means to me that the player's a noob. That's what that means. Okay. You don't know how to actually play the game. So you're just like, first couple turns, I'm gonna let you just do whatever you want. I'm gonna maybe play something big. Hope you can't get around it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what ramp is. You to have me, your okay? game
2: plan, I have my game plan. We're gonna have a good time because my cards are bigger than yours.
1: I'm just gonna send three face, okay? That's all I need to do. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna send three face every turn. <laughs> so I'm uh, it. it, it I, I I just can't. I can't tell you how much I've wanted to tell you that for so long, <laughs> and to, for me to be able to tell you that just it means a lot to me just to be able to tell you that. So thank you for that. Because honestly, like in that moment, it felt really good having someone who I'm watching and enjoying their content like interact with me, and like. Tr- like, be nice about it and just answer the question. So I appreciate that. So I'm f- I'm glad that I finally get to tell you, thank you for that interaction all those years ago. And you know what's a little crazy is if
1: that moment didn't happen, would Dan have continued down the path of card games as much as he did? That's a good question. Maybe so- if she was like... Don't ask me a noob question, dude. Get out of my chat. Like, and he's just gone. He's like, never return.
0: So, well, here, here let, let me ask let me ask you this. Have, have you ever been in a conversation like that, like met somebody who um, has watched your content before and then maybe in response to, to you, to that interaction, like started creating content? Or have you ever had an interaction like we just had, just out of curiosity?
2: Um, I've had people say that I've inspired them to create content before and started videos. Definitely had that. I haven't had anyone say like, you answered a question of mine and it felt really good. So that made me want to do more things. I mean, I've definitely like sent people advice of like how to get into YouTube and stuff like that and seen them do that. But usually it'd be specifically mm-hmm. like, they'll ask like, how do I get into YouTube? How do I get into the card game space? Not like, what is ramp? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> dan that's such a noob question which it is and i was a noob at, at that time but and i will tell like at that at that point and i do feel like how i felt then can be applicable to a lot of people who feel like intimidated about asking what they would think is is such a noob question uh, again to to just put it bluntly but Like we've, we all, you have to go through that at some point. And so what I would say and what I tried to do in the moment was I tried to just overcome that and be like, okay, it's okay just to ask a question and, you know, and you were very, and you were very kind about it. And like, I appreciated that at at the moment, but I like, I think it's important that like as a content creator or just honestly, anyone who knows more than somebody else, that when you're asked a question, you just, you answer the question and you are helpful to that person. Like so again, I I can't, I mean how many times have I said thank you? <laughs> <laughs> but I really I I like really like I do appreciate that. But like how do how much do you think interactions like that and treating your community with that sense of respect, like how important do you think that is for communities in general?
2: Oh, I think it's incredibly important. Uh one of the big things is the internet can be very dark as we all know that there's always really just crappy people all the time. So the idea of like, I can be a positive part of the internet and you know, help help people come together. I've always really prided on myself of having a community that's helpful and kind to each other. And that is very diverse and lots of different people are allowed to join and ask questions. And I also have a teaching background. I used to teach, um, you know, K through fifth grade and a little bit of eighth grade. So answering questions is something that I'm pretty used to. So I like to answer (laughs) questions and be helpful. And having that teaching background also definitely helps with that as well. So I, I think it's great as long as people don't come in and be rude, like the number of people who just have come in and just told me like how bad I am or things like that. Like, I'm <laughs> going to tell them off. But when it's someone asking an innocent question, no matter how newbie it is, as long as it's sincere, I'm always really happy to answer questions and talk with viewers that way.
0: Yeah, I've <clears throat> and and I know we've all been there, but anytime I get somebody like uh, coming off as as very rude or just they're trying to be smart. Normally, my what I just I just laugh at them, <laughs> like I've we I mean I've read Jim. I don't know if you saw this comment, but there was a comment on uh, I think I think it was a recent short that we did, and I can't even remember what the comment was. But I just read it and I just started bursting out laughing because they were clearly trying to be mean, and I just. I let it – I just laughed so hard at it because I thought – it wasn't funny, but I'm just like, oh, they think, they think they're think they being mean to me, and, and I actually care about it.
2: There's some funny ones. So, I've seen some ones where people have tried to be mean, and it just came off like a fourth grader trying to insult me, and those are the best. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But that's what it is. Like you like seriously, when you when you're being mean on the internet, you come across as as a as a fourth grader trying trying to be mean. Like the, that's it it's all, really, it's all of it is. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it is pretty childish.
0: Um, yep, exactly. Now, okay. So you've been creating content for for a while now. Now, why did you start creating content in the first place?
2: So I, I guess I guess I'll give a little backstory. I got really into League of Legends when I was 16. I, like, pretty addicted to it, I would say. <laughs> um, I was actually in college at the time, so I had a lot of freedom. And, you know, a 16-year-old with a laptop in League of Legends, uh, <laughs> not the greatest mix, still did finance in college, but uh, I was very heavily addicted with it, along with a bunch of other 16-year-olds in college together. So at the time, is, uh League of Legends streamers were also starting to play Hearthstone. That was really big at the time. So they were all, you know, playing Hearthstone between their queues and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that looks fun. So I started playing Hearthstone. And since then, Hearthstone and League of Legends, I really did want to go create content. I was like, oh, streaming looks so cool. It looks so much fun. It'd be so great to be able to talk to people and just share moments together. And my laptop was not good enough to handle that, nor was the campus (laughs) internet. So... I was like, man, this sucks. Like I can't actually do this. So years and years later, um I actually met my um well, now husband at the time or well, I met him when I was 16, 17, but like later we um when we got engaged, a little before that, he actually bought me a PC. So he bought me a PC when I was still in college and he was uh, he was interning and he made his first paycheck and he bought me a PC. It was <laughs> very kind of him. Wow. But wow. that was when I so his
0: his first paycheck was for bu- to buy you a PC.
2: Yes, essentially. That might awesome. have been like a second L- one or something. But yeah, he bought me a PC as an engagement awesome. present, essentially. Nice. So that's, cool. that's when it clicked of wow, I have a computer that I can actually stream with now because I kept what actually happened to a little bit more of the background wasn't just like boom surprise PC. Um I had this laptop and it was just a blue screening dying on me. And I was losing these mm. papers that I was writing in college. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, uh, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't really, I should have been using Google Docs, but I hadn't used, it. I was just using Word at the time. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? Like, this is so frustrating. And like, it would turn off during like quizzes and tests and stuff too that were online. So I was getting really frustrated with it. And oh. so he surprised me with it. So then also too like i said it clicked of like oh i can start streaming and making content so i had uh, Mm -hmm. like a really crappy like headset mic and you know the the classic c920 i actually think i started with the one step below it before too i didn't even have a c920 (laughs) and so i started streaming uh like (laughs) overwatch and um this was after i start I stopped playing league of Legends because I realized it was bad for my health, so I started playing overwatch and like pubg and stuff and I started streaming that um I didn't actually start streaming until uh you know after we got married but uh what happened was I was at school full time still I also mm-hmm. worked full time so I was very much. I needed something to get away from that. So like I would work from 7 a.m. Yep. to 4 and then from <clears> 4 to 9, I would go to class. And that was for like three days a week. So the two days a week I didn't, I would stream instead. And then on weekends, I would stream for a long time. And I was just, mm-hmm. a par- I mean, I I was just, what well, I wouldn't say bored. I was very busy. But I just, I Mm -hmm. wanted something more, essentially. And I wanted to be able Mm -hmm. to meet people. And like, you know, it had been a dream since I was 16. So it was, uh, I wanted to actually give it a shot. And later Mm -hmm. I discovered The Elder Scrolls Legends and fell in love with that game. And that's where things really started taking off. So sorry, it's been a Mm -hmm. long part of a story. But that's how I got into content (laughs) creation was just 16-year-old me was fascinated with it. And then when I got a computer that could actually withstand it, I started building up from there.
0: Okay. So how, how did you find out about elder scrolls legends? I do you remember?
2: don't remember? do exactly remember. I just remember feeling, or I remember a little bit part of the story is I was taking classes and I was doing a uh, physics and I was, I was very focused on doing well in school at that time. And so I took a two month break from Hearthstone after playing it for years and years. And during that two month break, it was just enough where I couldn't be a free to play player anymore. And I was very much a free to play player. I just played like mostly like mage and hunter decks and stuff like that. Warrior decks. Mm -hmm. So once I I got back to it. And I was like, man, I can't actually play the decks I want to play anymore. Cause I took two months off and I don't have enough gold now. So I started just looking for another card game and stumbled upon Elder Scrolls legends. I liked the art and the way that it looked. And it was kind of, it was a little bit similar to hearthstone. The fact of like, you know, attackers mm-hmm. chooses and stuff like that. So that's why mm-hmm. I gave it a shot from there and it's incredibly free to play friendly game. So I was able to get into it pretty quickly for that reason.
0: So, <clears throat> I think this was last December. You had, you kind of wrote an article about casting for Legends of Runeterra uh, at the end of last year. And then there's a little bio. Um, in that article that I want to reference here because there's one thing I want to ask you here. So you say, when I was 16, you were introduced to League of Legends in the world of online gaming, which changed the course of your life. I was later introduced to the CCG genre and fell in love with it. That's collectible card game. Ever since, I've been creating content and spending countless hours learning new metas, optimizing decks, competing in tournaments, as well as making meme decks work in Master Rank Ladder. So you say here, that you fell in love with collectible card games. What game was it that make you that made you fall in love with collectible card games?
2: I definitely fell in love with it in Hearthstone, but that love ran much deeper once I played the Elder Scrolls Legends. Really? Yes. That's cool.
0: So what did you like? Because now I'm curious because I had I had initially played Hearthstone myself, and then I also got into Elder Scrolls Legends. Um, but what was it for you that kind of drove that home with Elder Scrolls Legends more? Like, what hit with you with Elder Scrolls that that didn't hit with you with Hearthstone?
2: Well, um, I will say some of it. I definitely like the art on uh, the Elder Scrolls Legends a lot. But funny enough, I don't mm-hmm. really know the lore and background behind. So it has nothing to do with that. But more so in the mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls Legends, I loved how within the region combinations, there were so many very um definitive ways to play the decks. So, like, for example, uh you know, Warrior could easily be a control deck or it could be an aggressive deck and things had very unique paths of play where it was never like, oh, we're always just kind of bashing face here. And also the two lane system in the Elder Scrolls Legends where you have the field lane and the shadow lane added that extra layer of depth to the game and the strategy of being able to decide like, oh, I'm going to give up on this lane and focus on this lane instead. And of course, Mm -hmm. you know, the rune system in it too, and the rune systems is a way of where you could interact with a player during their turn, where on Hearthstone, you don't have that. I know that Magic and other games that I've played, like Eternal and stuff, have that too, but not in the same way Older Scrolls does with the rune system. So I like the comeback mechanic of it, of you can, you know, get your face in, but you get two or three extra cards now that you now have more critical decisions to work with. I really loved that comeback mechanic as well, which I thought was really interesting. It made you play the game differently every single game of like, do I break this rune here? Do I give them the extra card or do I go for the kill here? Or do I wait next turn? I felt like there was always just such impactful decisions and with the decks being so unique too, it just felt endless. Mm
0: -hmm. So for those of you who have not played Elder Scrolls Legends, um, Silver fuse can you actually explain a little bit what the rune system is and then and then the ring a little bit for for those who have not played other scrolls legends
2: so the ring are you talking about the ring of magica or
0: no the i'm sorry the the runes
2: oh there is yeah i can explain the runes so you have if i believe correctly 30 hp and every 5 hp you have a rune so if you get dropped down to 25 hp you break a rune and it is a card that's in your deck And if the card has the word prophecy on it, that means you can then play it for free of cost, free of charge on your opponent's turn. So it might be like a deal for damage or destroy a unit or shackle unit and play a 2-1. Or if it doesn't say prophecy, it just goes to your hand and then it's not free of cost. It still costs its normal amount, but you can play it on your future turns. So the fact that if your opponent is just an aggressive deck bashing your face in, they're also giving you more tools to potentially stop them too. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah so jim there's one card in there it, it's deal it's like it's basically lightning strike but it's deal four damage do you remember yep. silver fuse do you remember Last. the name of that card it, it, it,
2: it, I, of I, I don't know if it's lightning strike but it's definitely lightning bolt it's lightning bolt <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's it, it's it's something like that but it it is de- it's deal four damage so okay. uh, like if 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 your opponent breaks your rune and that's your top card you can cast it for free so was
1: there so, a deck that was just like a lot of prophecy yes. cards. There was a yes.
2: prophecy yes. battle <laughs> yeah. mage, which is red and blue, and it was yeah. just damage and prophecy, <laughs> and you uh, also right. had uh, self damage yeah. on it too. <laughs> yes, you also had self damage, so you could trigger your own prophecies too. It was yep. it, mm-hmm. it was a deck nice. that if you were playing against it, you would not break the runes until you were killing them, or else you were going to mm-hmm. lose to prophecies. <laughs>
0: okay okay so since we're talking about Elder Scrolls Legends okay there's there's one question that we that Jim typically likes to ask people who play (laughs) Magic but but we're we're going we're going to rephrase this question a little bit for Elder Scrolls Legends, okay? So in Elder Scrolls Legends, um, I honestly I cannot remember the colors, how many colors there are, and how many color combinations. But they're there, okay? Just trust me that they're there, guys. Okay. <laughs> now I'm all I'm curious. Silver fuse, do you remember? Do you remember what the colors are and the color combinations? Generally, like yes. at least the the names. Yes. Okay. So what was your favorite color to play or color combination? If you had, if you had just one favorite color or if there was a certain combination that you love to play more than others.
2: Oh man, that's, I know there's two decks that come to mind and I don't even know if I can choose between the two. Uh, there was mid range battle mage, which is red and blue, uh, not prophecy It's mid range. <laughs> and the idea was with, with it was, there was a one, one with a shield or a ward, that if you were to pop it, then it would summon a five five. So the deck was about reshielding that thing and popping it and summoning 5-5s five over and over again. They had guard on them as well or taunt, uh, so you couldn't, you know, stop people from going in your face. It was so much fun to play because it could play. Uh, it did a really great job of teetering between being able to be aggressive against you know control decks, but also being able to control against the fast decks, which I loved about it. But I think my favorite deck of all time, though, has to be Nyxox Telvani, which is <laughs> blue. Yeah, you know what kind of person I am now. I I'm I sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I love it. That's okay. Uh, it is you, a blue You need to explain the deck for Jim, though, yes. And
2: purple. And the idea of this deck, it has some ramp, but the idea of it in, in Tessel, you go up to 12 mana. But... Ideally, let's say the pre-nerf version of the deck, you would want to go to 13. And oh, this, this is a complicated deck, but it centers around this <laughs> it uh, card. It's sometimes 15 mana, but centers around this card called Path Mage at the time, which is six mana, four, four. And then with the, it would summon a card from your deck with the, your remaining mana that you didn't spend. So say if you had 12 mana and you played a six mana <laughs> card, it would summon a six cost card. So what you would do is you Why do
1: I feel like in the deck you only have that one of copy to then play that card?
2: <laughs> oh, you you've um so I guess what I need to explain is you had this seven mana card called Nyxox. And in the Elder Scrolls Legends, pretty much everything is a summon ability. So it's not just like you have to play it and then it'll, you know, do a battle crier effect. No, it's a summon ability. So Nyxox is a 7-mana 5-5 five five that when you summon it, it gives you 5-mana for that turn. So the deck mm-hmm. was about <laughs> using that to summon <laughs> as many Nyxoxes as, or Austin, <sighs> whatever you want to call it. You would just summon a bunch of those, and then you, <laughs> you would play um, a charge unit with Drain or with Lethal or something, some kind of charge unit, and there's this ring that you would put on the Mentor's Ring and what it would do is it gives the keywords to all units on the board. So then you would charge and just kill your opponent <laughs> that way. And you also play a card called Lineth, which is a nine mana 6-6. Six, six. And her ability is you draw a card of your choice from your deck. So you would just tutor whatever you want. Yeah. And you uh, just copy. So you would play this other card called uh, Debate's Experiments. And it's a nine mana card. And it has Betray, which means if you kill off one of your own units, then you can play it again. So 9 mana, you would summon a Nixox, and then you would kill something off, and then you would summon a Laneth, and then you would just go get another one. And you would just mm-hmm. cycle through that way. So wow. it could be like maybe a 20 to 40 action combo, depending on, what <laughs> depending on how deep you're wanting to go on it, essentially. And the thing that I loved about this deck, it wasn't just always, oh, you just play this Path Mage on this thing. there would be some uh, options of maybe at eight mana, especially if you had the ring, that you could then tap the ring and then start copying Nyxoxes and stuff and drawing cards and then finding Luneth and playing it normally. So it was never just like, oh, just play the standard combo. It was the fact that every single game, there always felt like this puzzle that you had to solve and that there was this combo that you could find and that's why I loved the deck so much is because every game felt different even though I was playing the same deck. And I've never found a deck where I felt the same about it where it's like, and it just felt so rewarding of when you got the combo. It was like, wait, I just figured out like a seven mana combo. And there are times <laughs> where you would do like a partial combo too of like, even though you didn't kill them, oh, I have like, you know, four, uh, five fives that's with charge on them valley. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. like There's just too much mm-hmm. tempo for your opponent to come back from. So mm-hmm. that's that's why I love that deck so much. I could gush so about it all day. I don't know all the
1: colors in this <laughs> game, but purple sounds like it's black. And it she is. went with is it mid range and yep. Demir. So that sounds like Grixis to me, Dan. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: that's yeah, um, what that sounds like.
0: What What was the the um the Telvani, that Nixox Tlvanii? What What was the color combination? It was purple green. Was Blue. there a third color in there? Blue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so So yes, it's, it's Sultai. It's, it's basically Sultai and is it? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're exactly right, Jim. (laughs) So, okay. All right. So that entire story kind of answers this question. Okay. But Spike, Timmy, or Johnny, which one are you?
2: (laughs) Oh, it depends on the game. In Elder Scrolls Legends, (laughs) I was definitely considered like a hardcore Spike. Uh, because I played competitively and like Nick Sox Telvany was a very strong competitive deck uh, the first worlds it yeah. ha- it was banned every time and when it wasn't it just flat out won unless the player misplayed that's how it was a very busted deck yep. and even post nerf mm-hmm. it was still very good uh, but so that and then um gosh I think for LoR I think it's I think it's Johnny just big things happen
0: yeah, I would. I would. I I would very much. Oh, I mix those two up sometimes.
2: Ending. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I think. Yeah. It's-
0: but even 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 the people who play like what you were just talking about with that Nick Sox combo, that's very much like a Johnny play style almost, because it's mm-hmm. you're you're having fun. Like that would like that deck is like a Johnny play style, but it is also very much a competitive deck, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but should
1: we go over these, like what they are exactly for people
0: that, um, Jim, that is a very good, um, very good question. So Jim, well, hang on. Let's do it. Let's do it this way. Silverfuse. Can you, can you, cause I know which one I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this is funny because I'll, we'll explain in a minute, but silverfuse, can you, can you talk about what a, uh, what a, what a spike is? We'll give you a spike.
2: Yeah, um, spike means that you just want to win. You don't really care about how much fun you have with the deck. The whole main point is you want to win. It doesn't matter if the deck is, you know, not fun or makes your opponent not have fun. If you're winning, you're pretty happy overall. So a lot of uh, competitive players and tournament players tend to be called spikes. Yeah, There's also, I don't know if this is completely correct, but the idea that you're pretty much always forcing meta and that you're playing meta decks and sometimes not always innovating too. But, you know, there's still some spikes that innovate as well. So, but generally I would say it leans toward, you're not innovating. You're just more focused on the piloting, the best meta decks that you can. Right.
0: Um, All right, Jim, you, you, you tell us uh, what, what is a, what is a Johnny? (laughs) Uh, A Dan. (laughs) (laughs) What? really really i mean you're you're not wrong but i'm glad you think that i'm very glad you think that though
1: uh just what like just super combo play just go off and uh
2: hope your opponent doesn't
1: have anything to stop
2: you (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes that's my favorite play style for sure
0: yeah, it's it's you. It, it's you're you're having fun with the deck building, being creative with the deck building, and it's you like those combo plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is is Timmy. Timmy just wants Timmy wants to play his big dumb creatures. <laughs> he Timmy's wants to a casual swing. player. Timmy Timmy's a casual. Wants to play his big giant dinosaur and swing for twenty. <laughs> that that's that is what Timmy likes to do now. Jim, I don't know if you know this, but um, my understanding is I think this these archetypes, we'll we'll call them, um, were were kind of all written down by Mark by Mark Rosewater and released in an article. Before he released that article, I don't think I think these I think they were kind of loosely discussed in the community, but I don't think they had actual names or classifications before then. So um, um, for those of you who for those of you who haven't heard that before, um, I'll I will find that blog article and I will link that in the show notes, show notes here. But it's it's just funny. Uh so he's listening to you talk about that Nyxox deck, because I I have very I have a lot of memories of of that deck. Um
2: You were so, someone who played against it.
0: Yeah, so the yeah. first time I saw it, I think, I think was um I think I saw it on ladder once and I'm like, what in the world is this? So then I looked into it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now we need to learn this. And I will tell you though, like, I feel like that deck really did a good job at helping me like myself, like learn the game and learn that deck more and just be a better player. Like those decks that are convoluted and combo heavy really do help players learn the game better and help you get a better understanding for the game overall so that's why i tend to like combo decks like that because it just it really takes you as a player like up a step assuming you're able to to understand it and figure it out so that's why i really do like decks like that
2: for the first eight or so Um, turns you're usually playing pretty defensively too so understanding what you need to do in order to live and even mm-hmm. before like yeah you turn 13 sometimes you're still just playing to live and so yeah that's something right. also really great about the deck too.
1: you're losing until you win
2: yeah and it's also <laughs> one that a lot of players, life's a
0: resource
2: <laughs> yeah that a lot of players just hated playing against uh um, the there's i remember at one point at like the top of the ladder only like a, maybe like five to ten of us knew how to play that deck well and uh, some of the other like top players didn't know how to play the deck and they would cue into me on it and they're playing like this control deck though without a well, without a win condition and they would just concede. They're like, yeah, and you, you can have the points <laughs> next game for me because there's no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah With a regular standard control deck, it was not able to beat the Nixox combo. Right,
0: right. Like that's a thing, like the, the Nixox combo, like that deck had an inevitable, had an inevitability, like there was an inevitable strategy. Which, if you're going against a control deck that does not have any sort of inevitable um, strategy, in the end, they're just relying on their opponent to just concede by their value. Then they're they're just gonna lose because the, because that was the thing is that Nick Sox had that inevitable combo at some point each each match. Um. Okay. So next thing i want to talk about a little bit is kind of uh, legends league of legends okay? okay so you talked about um getting involved with league of legends and then really diving heavy into that game um what is it, uh, it what is it about league of legends that kind of that that brought you into that game
2: so the big thing which i kind of mentioned in earlier in this segment was that i was a 16 year old at a university with a bunch of other 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, so just a bunch of high schoolers. And we had all been issued a laptop for our schoolwork. And of course, being dumb teenagers, we're like, oh my gosh, they gave us a thing we can play video games on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was pretty much all the guys, uh, when I say all of them, I always say like over 50% of them had downloaded League of Legends and were playing together. And uh, I would be down like in the rec room and they'd be playing this game together. And I had grown up playing video games and I love video games. So I was like, you know, you know what? There there are no other uh, women playing it too. So at the time I was like, eh, I don't really care. Like, screw it. I'm going to go play. So I was downloading it. And then funny enough, I walked into my friend's room and I saw her. She was also downloading it. I was like, wait, you're downloading <laughs> League of Legends too? And so we both <laughs> kind of saw it. We're both like, yeah, screw it. we're going to play games too. So... After that, though, is I just started playing games with, uh, well, and became my husband. That's part of the reason of, like, why we started, like, talking and stuff, too. So, like, I owe League of Legends a little something, I guess. But but pretty much, I had a bunch of friends around me that were playing. So that was one of the better ways for me to socialize with people, too, was League of Legends, because we're literally all in the same room. It was like having a land every single day with my friends. I mean, (laughs) you can see how I got a little bit addicted to that because we're, you know, we're all these a bunch of nerds playing together every day, and we were all terrible. So that made it even better. (laughs) So it was just. Just such a fun environment to be together because we always had something to joke about. There's always inside jokes that we could throw at each other about like, oh, like, you know, f- you know, f- a test coming up or something like that. We could make a League of Legends reference or something. And it was just so much fun to have that experience of literally, like I said, a la- it was like a LAN party every single day that we could just play together. So that was right. a huge factor right. of what got me into it, as well as having a love for gaming and growing up gaming before that. Right. And I hadn't done online right. gaming before, where before I, you know, I had my Game Boy, you know, PS2 and stuff like that growing up. But the fact that I could then mm-hmm. game with my friends, it just, mm-hmm. that world, it just sucked me right straight into it. Like there was no right. <laughs> going back after that.
0: Right. Now, <clears throat> do you have a favorite champion?
2: Oh, uh, I Lux. love lux
0: okay why why is it lux
2: um well she's the second character i started playing in the game the first one was misfortune because i was like oh i can just right click and chew people and then i started (laughs) i really liked range characters, so i started playing lux because her abilities made sense to me and i liked how she could play far away from the assassins and (laughs) just kind of eat them down just throw little bolts at them and uh I, I just enjoyed that play style and then on top of that it worked mm-hmm. well with my friends where a lot of them were playing junglers and 80 carries where I could then play mid uh so mm-hmm. that was yeah, that was back another reason Lux too. was a mid laner. yeah <laughs> um yeah because support Lux I was I'm pretty sure that I just get memed on back then i I think some people mm-hmm. would play it here and there but in mid it was much better now it's
1: a legit thing yeah
2: <laughs> so that's my favorite champion just because i liked her abilities and um it worked well with the guys i was playing with and my friend played a lot of support so we would be able to duo together or if i and then after that i also played a good amount of ad carry but it just worked to be able have a mid laner where i know i was pretty much never going to feed on her (laughs) and so i could never be the one to blame of why we lost the game
1: (laughs) Real real quick, guys, this is how you know this is a real league player when she says 80 carry and not a marksman. Okay. Yeah. That's how you know a real player.
2: Girl, I remember them changing marksman I, I was like, of- I'm never using that terminology.
0: <laughs> I am not one of those people because that just woo Yep. <laughs> that went over my yep. head, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've played I think I've played League of Legends. Five times i have not i have not played a lot i also i I didn't want to correct you guys
1: i didn't want to correct you at the start i kind of wanted to but also it's the league of draven that's what it is it's not league (laughs) of of legends back in that league of draven
2: time where draven was just unbelievably broken (laughs) if you could play him because the bleed damage
1: the bleed brothers man oh it was
0: so good none
2: of us could ever play it though we were all too bad yeah yeah
0: all right, Jim, Jim, who who's your favorite champion? Who do you typically play in league? Oh man.
1: So the one I have used the most was Leona. Uh when I started playing, she was pretty much like one of the new characters that came out. And um, but Timo, I I have to go with Satan himself. <laughs> he is just there's just no better character to upset people than uh them walking through the jungle and they step on a shroom and where, that's half their life right there
2: where are you playing timo at
1: uh usually top lane as a as an ad bruiser but sometimes i'll uh, i'll go ap with them so but i i thought he was a lot better as a counter pick in the top lane at that
0: time frame
2: yeah it was really good mm-hmm. so my th-
0: the first time i heard of timo was uh, when legends of Runeterra came out
2: <laughs> and then
0: and then his cards were coming out with the shrimps i'm like oh that, that that's cool i oh. and that was the first time i had i had heard of of timo <laughs> at all yeah yeah that 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 seems like that would not be fun to play against and of course that's what jim plays
1: he has that a means. satan skin in game i'm not he lying.
2: actually does
1: <laughs> he actually does yeah there is like, I, I want to say he's probably the most hated character and one of the most loved characters in that game. <laughs> equally. Oh, yeah. There's no, oh, I don't really care about Timo. It's either you
0: love him or you hate him.
1: There's no in between.
0: <laughs> okay. So, all right. So go, going off of League of Legends then a little bit. Um, So Silver Fuse, you also have played uh, Legend of Ruterra and Teamfight Tactics. So Legends of Retair is Riot's um, digital TCG, and then Teamfight Tactics is essentially like like an auto-battler, okay? Um, We'll get to Legends of Retair here in a minute, but Teamfight Tactics, okay? For those of us who don't know what TFT is, can you kind of explain what TFT is to somebody who's never played a game like it before?
2: Well, it's a very complex game, so I'll do my best, but... (laughs) I guess in card game terminology terminology to an extent, it is kind of just a deck builder or you're drafting cards almost mm. consistently. So what happens is you have champions that are one cost, two cost, three cost, four cost, five cost gold, more cost the champion, the more powerful it is. But you start off with these low cost champions. And when you buy them and you play them on your board, they'll have different synergies or traits And different abilities, like some will be ranged carries and other ones will be short-range, you know, like brawler, bruiser type guys. And so you're using those synergies and these champions to build a team together. And then you also have these items that you can put onto them to, you know, maybe give them more attack damage or give them some defensive stats and stuff like that. So throughout the game, you're managing your economy and you're building a team, the strongest team that you can while managing your economy and your health. And then what happens is... Uh, at the start of each round they battle against each other so you can just sit there and watch them battle so you know strategy gaming is great because i don't want to mechanically have to do anything so the idea is that you're you know using your team to beat the other teams of what the deck that they built instead of playing the deck the deck plays against each other and it's fun to watch because they all have different abilities and Uh, stuff like that and sometimes uh, there's some rng where they'll like miss their skill shots and stuff which is also kind of funny Mm -hmm. but it's uh yeah i would say that's like the tldr of it it's a very complicated game but i think that gets uh what you're looking for
0: so what is it about tft that draws you to the game then like why why did why do you play it why is it fun for you
2: Uh, There's a lot of reasons. I mean, I definitely enjoy the IP because I, you know, played a lot of League of Legends. But I also just I really love. I really love the amount of like complexity that TFT has. I feel like I'm learning stuff almost every single game. And I'm someone like I'm just addicted to learning. I love learning about things all the time. And the fact that I can play a game where I'm constantly learning and I can always I can never really say you played perfectly in TFT. I just don't think it's possible there's always something that you could have done better. And, you know, whether it be your item economy or rolling earlier and just all that kind of stuff, where I like the perfection perfectionism in me always feels like there's something more that I need to do. There's something more that I need to improve on. So I really like that aspect. I also like that it does reward. um, It does reward time that you put into it. It does reward, uh, you know, sometimes outside the box thinking as well and just also, similar to Nick Sox in the sense of it's a puzzle that you have to figure out every single game. Its replayability is super high. So the fact that mm-hmm. it has high replayability and you're constantly being rewarded and feeling good about figuring new things out is what really gets me into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> I, I've played TFT not a lot. I've played it a few times. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, but as, is every time you play um, are the champions that you get to choose from? Does that kind of rotate every game?
2: That rotates every three to six months.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So every time you log... so if if today I would log into TFT, I'd have access to the same the same champions that I ha- I had access to the day before, assuming yes. it, it didn't rotate the day before. Yep. Okay. 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 Um, like as you can tell, it's been a minute since I have played the game. <laughs> But like, I mean, I, I remember when these types of games—I um, don't want to say more popular—but they were. I saw them a lot on streaming channels. You know, like TFT. There's some other ones. I know Dota has one, um, but they're basically auto battlers, auto, auto chess. And I was just so confused <laughs> by just watching videos. Like, I didn't understand what was going on. But then when I sat down and started like understanding what the game was about i mean it is very strategy centric it's very much a strategy game and i like how you put it it's like it's almost like a deck building game a little bit because it kind of is um there's i can definitely see see that draw but it there's also there's also that rng factor (laughs) yeah (laughs) which we all
2: Oh, I was going to say, it's pretty easy to, like, watch a game of TFT and be like, oh, that person just, like, their shop just natural to all these right units and stuff like that. Like, they're just literally matching words together and matching, you know, clicking on the same unit three times and stuff like that. And it makes it easy to think, like, oh, yeah, it's just, like, this person's hitting the right units and stuff like that. But the reality of the game is supposed to be pretty flexible of, like, Oh, you didn't hit these units. Well, you also have this item that works well on this champion. So you can use this champion instead. And like being able to see that line of like not get stuck in one thing. Like it's really easy to tunnel in TFT. And then a lot of it's like called a first or eighth place play style where if you get lucky and you do just keep hitting, you can get first place even though you didn't really play that well. But if you get unlucky, you're going eighth place because you're not hitting any of your units. And it's about the players who are able to understand of like, oh, I'm not hitting my units. I don't want to go eighth place. I'm going to try for a third or a fourth instead. Or maybe I'll even get lucky and still get a first. Uh, There's definitely luck involved in the game for sure. But the best Mm -hmm. players will still average like a 3.0 or even sometimes lower than that because they understand that if I don't hit these units, here's my plan B, here's my plan C, here's my plan D. And they can make these in just milliseconds of When they see their shops of like, oh, I can go to this instead and be able to stabilize their Mm -hmm. board that way.
1: There's also a strategy in these games where you aim to just keep losing every single round and get money for going on a losing streak.
0: Yep. Oh, you can get you can get money by going on losing streaks. Yes,
2: there is a street gold where it's up to if you lose two in a row then you get plus one gold and if you lose um i think it's three to four then you get plus two gold and then if you lose five then it's plus three gold i might have mixed the two but that but you can also do that win and it's the same way reversed where you'll get plus gold but after each win you also get plus one extra gold so if you're on a five streak winning and you win then you get plus uh four extra gold so it's still better than the loose streaking in that regards but loose streaking you also get to pick items off the carousel first so you get you get priority Mm -hmm. on what your next item is so a -hmm. lot of the times that people will try to go on and also
1: champion yeah and champion too
2: they'll try to go on a win streak or a loss streak early to maximize their gold. but sometimes that's not always a viable option so you have to really manage of like is this unit worth playing or should i make money with it instead so that's where a lot of the Mm -hmm. micro decisions come in as well And the early game matters a lot because if you don't have enough gold for your late stage game board, then you're just going to bleed out and lose and get seventh or eighth place.
0: Gotcha. So, you know, we just talked a little bit about like the RNG, right? The RNG that's inherent in this strategy game. Right. And so there's also a lot of RNG inherent in card games. Right. Now there's this one tweet that I, that I want (laughs) to pull up. Okay. Okay. Um, you say I'm curious as to as to the background, but I'm not gonna ask that. It says some players are more unlucky than others, and that's why they lose more. It is definitely not because they are bad at the game and need something to blame. <laughs> <They're>...
2: <laughs> I just gotta laugh at that. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> it is. Who says that's a good one? <laughs> Oh, it's been a while. How, what, what year is that from?
0: What year is that from? Let me, let's, let's oh find goodness. out here. That was from uh, April of last year. That really April wasn't that long ago. I thought
2: that was multiple years ago. <laughs>
0: uh, let me, um, I'm verifying that. Uh, yep. 4-1-2022. That's when that was Whoa. from.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: 4-1-2. that was an April <laughs> Fool's thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> She didn't mean it. No, of course
2: not. <laughs> That makes okay. it even better. But, I'm glad I asked for the <laughs> date. <laughs> now,
0: how many times, but how many times have you come across a strategy player, whether it be card games or in a game like TFT, where the player blames their, um, we'll just say loss, their loss on RNG and not, lack of skill, because it's kind of like you said, like you, you, you were in the mindset of being a constant learner and you love learning. Okay. I mean, I think, I think we all have to have that mindset of, okay, I am not, I mean, I'm not, you may be good, but always have that mindset of, I'm going to keep my mind open and realize that I'm going to make mistakes and then recognize where those mistakes are and then correct them. But it seems like mentalities like that Are not widespread. The mentality is if I'm bad, it's because RNG, not because I have a lack of skill like it is. Have you come across that mentality more than the mentality of I want to I want to get better and learn more?
2: Yeah, I would say it's really frequent, and there's a lot of reasons for it. I mean, for one, it's easy. It's really easy not to blame yourself and say, I just got unlucky. Like, what do you want me to do? The game didn't give me the cards that I needed, and stuff like that. And, of course, you know, there are some instances where, yeah, you do get unlucky. Like, that's inherent. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes it will happen, but if it's happening in 70% of your games, I'm going to tell you you're not that (laughs) unlucky. And um also right. too it's it's by design uh we know that in card games that i mean it's fun to high roll it's fun to get all the right cards and all the right units and just crush your opponent mm-hmm. without a second thought but at the same right. time it doesn't feel that like great when you low roll as well but card designers mm-hmm. and games uh, game designers know this and um something interesting i don't know have you played or heard of the game myth before yes so Mythgard, also, unfortunately, another card game that failed pretty much. But um, something Mm -hmm. big with that was that game had so much agency. I mean, the issue was Mm -hmm. it had too much agency. And what would happen is I knew several players who were like, yeah, finally, a game with no RNG. I want to destroy everyone because I'm so good. And they would get in, they'd get hard stuck in like silver level or gold level or something, not realizing that, oh, that luck that you were so unhappy about was benefiting you. (laughs) You were (laughs) the player the luck was for. (laughs) And that happens in a lot of games. (laughs) Like part of the appeal is like, you can get lucky and beat a player that's better than you. I mean, we see it happen in card Mm -hmm. games and strategy games all the time, but it's funny when people don't realize that that luck factor was to give them a boost and it wasn't hurting them as much as they thought they were. But I think that's part of the reason that game didn't do very well is because if someone was better than you, they were going to win almost every single time. And To An extent that also happened in Artifact that better players won very consistently in Artifact, despite the whole oh no, arrow RNG, uh, you know, fiasco there was too. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's something that it it does feel like it's pretty widespread. And the issue is with some games, it's hard to acknowledge of like how to find out what your mistake was. Like in TFT, it's really hard to end a game of TFT and be like, oh, man, at this stage, I should have rolled more gold or I should have made econ without like going back and like reviewing your work in a VOD or something like it's pretty hard to Mm -hmm. understand what you did wrong. So it's easy to say I just got unlucky next game. So I think that's Mm -hmm. another issue, too, is it's I mean, for falling into like that kind of mindset trap is it's. It's just really easy to, and you have to put in extra effort, and it's hard to always see your mistakes. So there's a lot of reasons, I think, Mm -hmm. why players fall into that trap, but I do think it's entirely beneficial to be in that mindset of, like, I probably made a mistake somewhere. I don't know what it is. Uh, Either I need to go back and look at it, or I need to ask a friend to help me, or there's something there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just incredibly beneficial if you're looking to become a better player. If you're just casually playing, I mean, at the end of the day if you blame luck, it's really not going to hurt you unless you're wanting to get better. If you're not wanting to get better and you know you're just playing um, you know, on your, you know, commute to work or something on the train, who cares? Like, you know, <laughs> just don't come to me, you know, complaining about how bad your RNG is <laughs> and that you actually should be in masters but you're all really unlucky. <laughs>
0: Well, so it's, it's interesting you say that because you're exactly right. Like it's super easy to blame RNG for me losing, right? But I remember like with Elder Scrolls Legends is a perfect example for me. Like Elder Scrolls Legends was the first game that I started to take seriously and seriously from the standpoint of I wanted to learn to be a better player. So what did I do? I started recording my games, Right. That was when I really started learning of, okay, let's let's learn this tech and let's figure out how I can start recording my games. So I started recording my games. I would have spreadsheets with decks I was playing and then recorded the deck I was playing against to start recording, um, you know, win rates. I wasn't you know, I wasn't using a program to do it for me, which now they're widespread, which is a good thing. But like I was starting to do that for myself because I started to take it seriously. Right. And it's funny because I was actually going back. I was looking through some folders on my computer, found my old recordings folder, and it had Elder Scrolls Legends <laughs> videos on it of me playing. And I'm like, holy cow, this is a blast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it's, 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 it's so easy now to take it more seriously and be like, okay, if I want to get better, like I have to take that agency – and start learning and, you know, learning what I did wrong. Um, so I, I remember that for me and I would just encourage anybody who wants to get better at any game. It's so easy now to figure out what you did wrong with VODs, record yourself, get a coach. There's so many ways that you can get better. Um, like just for me, I just, I I just remember Elder Scrolls Legends and like, I, going back to those videos was like i said blast from the past and it's and it was uh it is a lot of fun but outside of that like what would be like what would you recommend for somebody who's wants to get better at any particular game like what would you tell them
2: uh, a couple things is definitely record your games and look them back ideally look them back with a player that's a higher skill level than you are that can go back and be like Hey, dude, like they had four mana left. That means that they couldn't play this card and you're going to play this card here without being punished. You know, things that just getting fresh eyes on it, even someone at the same level of you can still be helpful, even if they're not like a top tier player. Uh, Ideally, someone who's good at coaching, too, because there's definitely top tier players who are not very good at coaching. But if you just need someone to point out, you know, issues that you might have had and like why you need to be thinking about them. Uh, Another thing Mm -hmm. is watching players who are better than you, ideally ones who are good at explaining what's happening and what their mindset is and why they're making a decision they're making. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. very good as well. And then, of course, you do have to practice (laughs) Uh, and not just and be open to thinking I made a mistake that game, not that the game hates me and that I got unlucky. So those are some mm-hmm. big things for sure is uh fresh set of eyes, recording your games, practicing. Oh, yeah. And a really simple thing. Read the patch notes. Just just read the patch notes mm. so you understand yeah. what's going on in the current meta. Mm-hmm. Knowing the current if you're wanting to be good at a game, knowing the current meta is really important.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, like reading the patch notes is 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 a big thing. You know, again, guys, we we talk about digital card games, you know, versus tabletop card games. That's, you know, and we we've talked plenty of times before about like the advantages that digital card games have <clears throat> over tabletop only card games right but when these patches come out buffs happen nerfs happen you like if you're trying to be a competitive player you have to know what your card you got to know what your cards do and so if there's a patch that comes out and alters what your cards do you need to know about it so um it's very important to know when patches happen when updates happen that you know what updates have happened to your collection essentially so um Hundred percent. So there's there's one other thing that you know I know you've talked a little bit about in the past regarding uh, Legends of Runeterra and uh, Hearthstone. Okay, so Hearthstone I know there tends to be a lot more RNG than than in a game like Legends of Runeterra. Now, one thing that I'm curious about because this is something I never really thought about, but we talk about viewership. Okay, we talk about viewership um, for streaming. Now. I think Hearthstone definitely has an advantage, an advantage being like first to market, like for being the one of the first digital, uh, one of the first popular digital card games on the market. Right. But what advantages other than that do, does a game like Hearthstone have where there's a lot more RNG involved than, I mean, for for lack of a better word, skill. Okay. Um I've heard it said that player people tend to watch more Hearthstone than they do a game like Legend of Runeterra because it's more fun for the viewer when there is more RNG. Um have you encountered have you encountered that?
2: Oh, I have thought about this question a long time. <laughs> I have thought about it so much as someone who's uh, played and streamed both of them before. Uh Hearthstone besides the first to market advantage, um it definitely has It's very colorful, it's very bright, and also, Mm -hmm. too, the RNG makes games feel different, and that has been kind of a gripe of mine for Legends of Runeterra sometimes, where I feel like when I'm playing a deck and I see the other deck, I already know what's going to happen in the game for the most part. I know that this champion's going to come down and do this, and my champion's going to come down and do that, and this is how it's going to go. And Hearthstone, because of the lines of RNG that are available, is you don't necessarily know what your opponent's going to play. And of course, a lot of uh, competitive players find that very frustrating because they're like, I want to know this so I can play around it. But Hearthstone kind of says, like, you, you don't need to know everything. You just need to enjoy the ride. <laughs> so I, I think that does make it a lot more entertaining for viewers. And I think that's something that Legends of Runeterra has definitely struggled with. Um, And the way, too, that Hearthstone presents itself is even really simple things, like when a legendary card comes down and it has a little animation and a voice line and stuff like that. I've really missed that in Legends of Runeterra, where I feel like sometimes I'll play my champion and, you know, they'll have their voice line. But it's like, man, I just played my Aurelian Soul and he didn't do anything like he didn't like, you know, make some cosmic stuff come around him and then he got played. And it's something that I've thought about a lot where I feel like it's kind of been missed in Legends of Runeterra. It's like, you don't get a... Like, the game is centered around your champions, but sometimes you can go a game without seeing your champion at all or really feeling like they're there. Because, you know, maybe you play the champion and they'll be like, oh, hey, you know, like, I uh, you know, voice line, voice line, voice line. And then they get removed and it's like... what? What's happened like you know it's like that <laughs> like my deck like <laughs> what, what really happened here it's- where in Hearthstone, because legendary is being very strong and pretty frequent is they always do their cool thing because most of them are on play effects you know their battle cries mm. or whatever and they're they're automatically doing their cool thing, but with legends of Erterra because for the champion to do its cool thing it usually needs to level up and sometimes that's just not viable in right. some games, so you mm. just miss right. out the whole point of what your deck and the game was about. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. a pretty big uh, just, I don't want to say like design error, but something that was overlooked when designing the game. And because Hearthstone Mm -hmm. also too has like the portraits on them, you're always kind of like connected to Mm -hmm. your character. And I feel like people miss out on the ability to feel connected to their favorite champions in Legends of Runeterra. Because they're within the mm. deck, and as I said, sometimes you don't see them, sometimes they get removed and they don't get to do their cool thing. So that connection mm-hmm. of what players, especially I think Tarot is looking to do, you just miss it, some of your games, and you get really unmemorable games for that reason too. That's another thing with mm-hmm. the RNG and Hearthstone, you get really crazy memorable games. Even if you get screwed over, you remember it. So yeah. <laughs> that's um that's <laughs> right. another thing. Right. And it makes really great for highlight you uh moments in YouTube and stuff of like Oh, they weren't expecting this to happen and stuff like that. And Legends of Runeterra, you don't really have that. So that's been... Uh, those are some issues with the game that I've thought about a lot. And I've thought about a long time of making a video about it. But like I said, it's something that you have to be careful when explaining it. Because people really don't like it when you talk about their baby. When they talk about their car game that they <laughs> love, uh, any kind of criticism of it is usually not handled very well, but I'm still someone who loves right. the game. Uh, but that is something right. I've realized of like, oh, the mark was missed here a bit. There's nothing that can really be done about that. But man, that sucks that that mark was missed. And it sucks that I can't be like, oh, here's a solution. We can fix it this way. Um, but mm-hmm. that's the core design of the game. It's not changing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where... You know something's missing, but you can't quite exactly put your finger on it. But it's like you know something just, it just doesn't feel totally right. And I and I and I've been there with and I've been there with 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 things where just something is off. And like that feeling, I I know exactly I know exactly what 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 that feeling kind of feels like. Um, but it, it it's also an interesting question because you know we we talk about we talk about skill and RNG, and then how those have an effect on the competitiveness of a game. Like when I first really started thinking about this, like in my mind, games, if if a game is going to be competitive, it should rely much more on skill than it does on, on RNG. But when we're talking about a game, like a card game where RNG plays a br- pretty big part of that like, I don't know how much more I want RNG to be a factor, but it like, is there a line where you think there should be this amount of RNG and this amount of skill? Um, I mean, what's, what's your kind of take on, uh, on that?
2: Um, I would say my take on it is if the best players are still the top at each time, I mean, sometimes, you know, maybe like someone who theoretically is the number one player, they're the best player at that time, which is really hard to measure. But let's say theor- theoretically mm-hmm. they are, and sometimes they still might not make it. But generally, if you look mm-hmm. over time consistently, like, you know, like, let's say you have a monthly tournament and your number one player is making it nine out of 12 times to, you know, the tournament or the final cut, then I don't think mm-hmm. RNG is an issue. And that's something where with Hearthstone... I'm not too familiar with the scene right now, but generally I'm pretty sure that top players are still able to compete pretty consistently. I'm not saying they're winning like, you know, the tournaments all the time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But like, you know, the same players are able to hit legend ladder each, each month and stuff like that. So the fact that the players who are, you know, the, the top 1% or so are consistently performing. And mm-hmm. the, to me, that shows that there isn't an issue, even in competitive fields mm-hmm. too of if you're able to have like, I mean, even TFT, you can say that game is pretty RNG heavy still. Even though mm-hmm. the difference is that at least in TFT and actually really all the games is there's ways to use skill to express like what you're like your skill expression in the game because you are able to play around what you are given to work with, and that's why the mm-hmm. top players still will rise to the top and shine each time. Especially, uh, you know, I see that yeah, card games and auto battle layers is even though like they were dealt like a crappy hand or stuff someone else in that same position wouldn't be able to do as much with it as they are so i don't Mm -hmm. really have an issue with RNG, even the likes of hearthstone but i know they kind of like reined it back in a little bit because i i don't really keep up with it too much but yeah Mm -hmm. i would say my line is if you were to have like 12 tournaments how often were the best players perform you know in the top four or the top cut or something like that And, for example, Mm -hmm. I know Legends of Runeterra, we had multiple people who would be in the top cut five or six times. But I don't know what that looks like in Hearthstone exactly. Um, But I know in TFT, Mm -hmm. too, the top players are always there. They're always there. Mm -hmm. So I think as Mm -hmm. long as that's happening, there's not an issue. My issue would be when someone who has maybe, like, let's say someone has played the game for, like, a couple days and they have no other background and they're randomly winning a tournament... Well, yeah, obviously there's an issue there, but if someone who's putting in the time and effort consistently and making it like, yeah, it seems good to me.
1: You know, one thing I want to add about the the skill versus RNG, I think it's very small minded, really low IQ, but for the people sitting at 200 IQ, the only reason we lose is because of lag. All right. I don't know about you guys, but I only lose games because of lag. That's that's it. (laughs) <laughs> Not because I did something wrong. Okay.
0: <laughs> so that's that. That's the third level you have. You a have third skill, level. You have RNG, and then you have lag. <laughs> uh, did you lag on land? Yes. <laughs> like when you, like when we just played Commander Jim, and you didn't play a land until like turn five. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even
1: blame it on RNG. I'm just like I am know right you now. did. I know <laughs> it was so
0: funny. <laughs> All right, um, there's a couple other questions yeah. that I, I want to get to before we talk about our favorite segment. Um, but the first is since we, we we've just talked a lot about these digital games, right? Digital card games in particular. Okay, should ev- should every digital card game, in your opinion, have some sort of PVE mode? What do you think, Silver so Fuse?
2: I say if you want to make money, yes. <laughs> 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 and um, to elaborate on that is I think being able to just sit down and play a game where you don't have to worry about like what the other person's thinking about what you're doing, that you're able to pause of like, oh, you know, the cat threw up or something like, you know, I can go clean that up then come back and my game's still going. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really i mean even like in the elder scrolls legends being a spike i would still go play pve randomly because it was just relaxing it's really nice to be able mm-hmm. to you know turn on some netflix or something turn something on youtube and then just kind of just daily, daily, just play some games get some xp it feels rewarding it's nice to do something without feeling that extra like emotion or stress about like oh especially in my position too being a content creator where like at least in the elder scrolls legends almost everyone like knew who i was so like if i played a game i'd have mm-hmm. like seven people spectating me even if i was off stream and people you know like sending me messages and i'm like i just want to be left alone <laughs> yeah, i just <laughs> want to go play some pve because no one's like gonna be like oh let's go watch her play pve they're like oh she's playing against this person we'll go watch her there but uh i think right. you know like slay the spire I mean slay the spire has done so well and people have really liked that playstyle, And I think incorporating that into card games in general is just smart. It's, if you're not doing it, you're leaving money on the table for sure. And there's such a big mm-hmm. player base. I remember uh, being told for some of the games, I'm not going to mention which one, but one of the games that I played that their PvE player base was much, much, much bigger than their PvP and that almost no one played ranked. It, like the small portion of people played ranked. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to mention which game that's for, but um,
0: it's okay. I think I know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's uh yeah, it, you could kind of assume it might even be true for all the games for all I know. I know one of them, it's for sure true, but it wouldn't surprise me if you told me that every game that I mentioned tonight, that that was the case. Well, except for TFT, because there's not really, I already made, I uh, talked to you right. guys off stream how that <clears throat> kind of is PVE right. anyways, because you're pretty right. much playing against yourself in that game and you happen to play against other bots in the lobby too. Uh, I'm not <laughs> right. usually that's used as a negative term. I'm saying that like if they were a person or a bot, you wouldn't know the difference assuming it was right. a decently programmed bot. Um But right. Right. Yeah. So I think PVE is great. And I think not doing like putting it into your games because people love you know, being able to put something on their second monitor or being able to take a break from the phone, whether, you know, they have, uh, you know, kids or other obligations or even if they're at work and they're like, oh, no, boss is coming. Got to start working again. Uh, (laughs) But there's a lot of reasons for having PvE in your games and they're relaxing and they're fun.
0: Right, right. I I don't know about you, Jim, but like for me, I feel like in, I, I know particular, like, Particularly in Hearthstone and Elder Scrolls Legends, I used PvE a lot to help me learn some intricacies and nuances of the games. And like I used PvE to help teach me more about the game. And I helped Mm -hmm. and I used those modes to learn. And Mm -hmm. like for me, that was so invaluable, so invaluable. Like I had a good time, but I was also learning. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like, those are two big things that for me, I just I think are invaluable. And then like we talk about Legends of Runeterra. I loved Path of Champions. I had so much fun with Path of Champions and that's I mean I pretty much played Path of Champions strictly for 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 a while there cuz I was just having so much fun. Um mm-hmm. so I I love PvE modes. Um J- Jim what do you think? Oh yeah, for for
1: Hearthstone specifically and I played a little bit of uh Legends of Runeterra Uh, just having something completely different than the normal deck that it is you play right i really Mm -hmm. like doing the mercenary stuff because i'm a big rpg fan and just like slowly leveling up your characters getting them new abilities super fun but aside from that doing the story mode and going through the different um specifically for me i was a big fan of the wrath of the lich king uh, frozen throne i think that's what yeah, it was yeah, called yeah yeah, yeah the, yep. the frozen throne stuff and um just going through the story that they've now thrown into this game from world of warcraft that i know i've played that game heavily throughout the years and kind of adding more to that story with the lich king and what else he's he could have done it's mm-hmm. uh you know really just turns ideas and gears going in my in my little brain. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. All right. So this last question but before before we move on to card of the week here. Um so silver fuse um we we talked a little bit about, uh, this article that you wrote at the end of last year, um, where you casted the Legends of Ruterra world championship. Uh, you kind of wrote about that experience kind of at length. And then you also had a, another, <clears throat> a tweet, uh, it's kind of like a twit longer where you, you wrote a lot about, uh, the end of the year, kind of looking forward into 2023. Um, but I was going, I was reading a lot of those. Um, and a lot of that was so, was so good. Um, but i I'm really curious, like if you could, if you could speak to that a little bit, but What is one thing that as a content creator kind of you learned in last year that you're kind of looking to implement and um, implement into your content for for this coming year? And like, what's one thing that you think that you learned last year that you can help uh, that you think can help other content creators in their journey moving forward?
2: Okay, Um, that's a bit of a tough one just because (laughs) I had a lot of time off of content creation the last well not yeah last year or so just from health issues but i guess Mm -hmm. so definitely thankful for when i can create content but something that i've been wanting to focus on and i haven't talked about it too much has been uh more like story and emotionally driven things in content creation um whether it be Mm -hmm. like you know if i do make a deck this you know the reason of why i made the deck and like what you know why i'm playing it and stuff rather than just like here's a new deck here you go and same thing with tmc mm-hmm. and stuff and i've thought about doing video essays a lot more for that reason uh kind of talking about some of the topics we talked about tonight of like even like you know the hearthstone versus legends of Runeterra uh, viewer appeal and stuff like that where i feel like those have been mm-hmm. things that have been a bit closer to my heart rather than just strictly playing a new deck so i guess that's something of kind of looking at reigniting some passion again because i think i've burnt myself out a little bit over there. I was you know, thinking about it earlier today of like, you know, there's, um, you know, there's only like in one year, I probably spent a couple thousand hours on Legends of Runeterra. And that's a lot of time when you think about, you know, one game, yeah. thousands of hours in a single year. And so it's really easy to burn yourself out. So that's mm-hmm. something that I also, I would say I've learned a bit more of, to an extent, it's necessary because you have to be consistent in content creation. And I mean, in some mm-hmm. cases, if you have something really unique to offer, you're really lucky or whatever, then you don't have to be as consistent. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to succeed in content creation, you have to be consistent. So um, if it's really easy to burn out for that reason. So that would also so kind of... you're
1: saying it's RNG versus skill. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think there's a lot of skill in content creation, but there's definitely some RNG involved. There is definitely RNG involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, could right. I, I could talk about that for a long time. We just have this conversation. I could talk about that for a long time because I think about these topics a lot, and I'm like, man, I really yeah. should just be making YouTube videos about this, but I've been a bit intimidated if people would actually be interested in them or not, and how I'd go about them because. I mean, it's really easy to spend 40 plus hours on a video and, you know, not get mm-hmm. many views. So I have to make sure that I'm not doing it just for viewership. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. But mm-hmm. it's it's hard when that there is an intimidation. And there still is one, like in my case, too, where like I used to get a lot more views before and stuff like that. So because I was posting every single day, but at the sake of, you know, yeah. you know, I lost my, some of my mental health because of it. But it's really yeah. hard to not let that influence you. It's so easy to say like, "Oh, it's just numbers and stuff," but it was also my income. So that's um, mm-hmm. that's uh, also makes things a bit tougher too. So that kind of ties mm-hmm. in advice to content creators too of like understanding that what your goal is is it to become mm-hmm. like a full time content creator? Is it to do a hobby that you enjoy and just meet people? Because that's how mine originally started like it seems like most people's content creation journeys tend to start but mm-hmm. i would say that you know careful burnout and make sure that you're doing something that you enjoy and know when you do need to take a break and look at potentially playing another game or doing something different off stream or whatever but it becomes hard mm-hmm. when you when you have built a brand and your content based off of one game or one genre of games and yeah. Burnout sucks. <laughs> so, uh, that's something that tough.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so do you, do you have like one piece of advice for content creators that you think would help them maybe prevent getting burnt out? Um, cause I know like, I mean, speaking, speaking from experience, like I do know how easy it is like to get burned out, but like the one thing that, <clears throat> That I would say, and and you, and you definitely touched on this. Like, I think you do need to make sure that you're making content that you enjoy doing because the moment I feel like the moment that you get into the mindset of I'm doing it because I have to, for one reason or another, like at, that's the moment where you start getting on that path maybe of, okay, now I'm going to get burnt out at some point soon. Um, I mean, is there is there one thing that you would say to another content creator, um, to maybe a piece of advice that would help them uh, continue to do stuff without getting burnt out? Maybe
2: continue to do stuff without getting burnt out. I mean, at some point you're gonna hit that wall. But yeah, uh, I would say. Do you
0: think it's inevitable?
2: <sighs> inevitable. I wouldn't say for all people, but I would say for most people. Okay. Okay. I don't know if that is correct. It might be for all people, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there are some just crazily, you know, just uh, there's some crazy people out there. I'm pretty sure that, that I mean, they, I mean, when you do love what you do and you just found something that you're obsessed with and that's not, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be obsessed with that your whole life. I don't think you really get burnt out. Um, for me, I, mm-hmm. I get obsessions and after like, they probably change every couple of years. Um, You know, I've been obsessed with card games or obsessed with YouTube or obsessed with another game. Like right now, it's probably TFT or I get obsessed with things for a few years and then I get burnt out or feel like I've learned everything I need to know or whatever (laughs) and move on. So, of course, I think. Right. Uh, you know, choose, well, you can somewhat choose what you're interested in, but also not. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ideally, you choose something that is changing and living and not something that isn't changing. But of course, I mean, there's exceptions to that rule too, like chess. So <laughs> there is, uh, it, I True. think finding things that change can make it easier not to get burnt out. But besides that, Mm -hmm. I would say also having other hobbies besides content creation, Um, whether it be like Mm -hmm. I personally, I play on two volleyball teams. And so I go play volleyball Mm -hmm. two nights a week. And that's another way where I get some exercise. And I'm also doing something that's away from the computer because I spend way too much time at this thing. But I think (laughs) making sure you have other hobbies and, um, you know, are making time and, you know, focusing on your health and stuff as well is really important and sleep right. get enough sleep that's actually a really big one that's <clears throat> something i have struggled with a mm-hmm. lot it's really easy to be like oh yeah. i'm just going to edit this video and like 2 hours later it's like oh i'm only going to get 5 hours of sleep now uh, i think being tired makes it much more easier to feel emotional mm-hmm. or burnt out too i think getting enough right. sleep and focusing on health is i think that i think it goes such a long way and the more i've been going through life the more i've been like oh yeah like that's making such a big difference uh maybe it's just because i'm getting older but (laughs) i i feel like it makes i think it's made a really big difference in my life personally
1: for sure question do you guys think that they should make chess point one like just make a new patch for chess (laughs) and you kind of nerf the queen because honestly the queen's broken okay
2: And maybe give the knight,
1: maybe give the knight one extra square it can move.
2: (laughs) The knight, anything it passes through, it kills.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, so, so we're house ruling it then, right? House rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) And you can ban one character from your opponent's board. Uh, Hang on,
0: (laughs) character or piece? Piece. (laughs) Okay, one piece. Okay, one singular piece. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And you can't
2: ban the queen or king.
1: (laughs) Can't ban the queen or king. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. Those two are needed for the kingdom. So like it makes sense. You know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That 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 uh, um I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use that Jim hundred percent. All right. Do it. (laughs) All right. All right. So now now we are moving on. We're gonna move on to our favorite our favorite segment favorite segment of the podcast and that is that is the card of the week now Silverfuse has been so kind and so generous to give us this week's card of the week and if you've been paying any attention whatsoever you can probably guess what game this card is from so Silverfuse, take it away
2: it is the doom crowd vampire i love this card so much I've talked about Nyxhawks Telvani, but I must now tell you about another one of my favorite archetypes, even though I've talked about two already, but this is definitely in the top three. (laughs) It is um, a control warrior deck, and how it works is because you have this vampire. He gives lethal, or if you're magic, death touch to all the other units in the lane. So what you do is you play these uh, little chargers or guys that can attack into a unit right away. Uh, You can technically tech phase too, but, you know, lethal and it doesn't really do much. (laughs) But the idea is you're playing this Doomcrack Vampire. And then you also have this other card that when your allies die, she draws you additional cards. So you play her as well, and then you just start slamming these little guys into uh, your opponent's cards and they're all dying, and you're also drawing cards from Namira. Thanks, Namira, for drawing me additional cards so I can just continue doing this. Some of the chargers are also uh, zero-cost one ones. So <laughs> you uh, cycle through your deck this way, and at some point, oh no, you're out of cards. What do you do? You play Journey to Sovereign Guard, and what does that do? It puts them all back in your deck with plus 5, plus 5! And then you start drawing through your deck again and you start charging at their face with six sixes and stuff. It's great. It's so much fun. And it's all enabled by Doomcrag Vampire because Doomcrag Vampire, without him, you cannot actually control the board with these units. And that's why I love him so much is because he makes a whole archetype viable in such a unique way. In an archetype that generally was known for being an aggressive and com- or aggressive deck, pretty much exclusively, it turned a somewhat aggressive deck into a control combo deck. So that's why I love him.
0: I love this card, <clears throat> and so there was a deck. So I will tell you, um, there are there are times where I I do log into other Scrolls Legends and I play this deck. Uh, because I just love it so much. But there was one deck that I put this card in. It was um, very similar to what you described, but there was one card that I used. Um, It was, I can't remember the name of the card, but it was basically like you would get, when you play it, you would get a rat, like multiple rats for every time you played the card. or something. There we go. Skeevers. Yes. Yes. And so I had that card, um, I, I'm gonna have to find this deck and, 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 but regardless, it was Doomcrag Vampire and then with Skeevers, it was so much fun. I absolutely, <laughs> I love, I loved playing that, loved playing that deck. Um, this is definitely, uh, and we, we talked about this a little bit offline. Um, but this is definitely a deck that I think Jim, Jim would very much like. Very Probably. much. 100%. 100%. So that is Doomcrag Vampire from the game, Elder Scrolls Legends. And this is actually not the first Elder Scrolls Legends card we've, we've had on card of the week. We had, we had Charmer. We had Charmer on the podcast. And can you guess which card Charmer picked?
2: Probably something really dumb.
0: Uh, time, t- time to fight. Oh, it yes, the no- the, he did. The North oh, Airplane. yes.
2: <laughs> of course he picked that one. His emotes uh, used to be based off of it and a bunch of other things mm. off of it. And that is the Raider to zero one one charge that Doomcrag Vampire yep. enables. Yep. And also yep. how you OTK so you- your opponent at the end.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah so so th- this is the second elder scrolls legends card that we have featured on card of the week and i am all here for and it. they're from the same deck apparently
2: yeah well they're, he used yeah. it to as an aggressive card the bash face for sure that's definitely the reason yes. he as he says math is for blockers or for defenders yeah. yes Yep. So yep. he was definitely <laughs> and I also played a lot of uh, Crusader and there's a lot of cards that uh, a lot of aggressive mm-hmm. decks that play that card because I mean it's a 0 mana one mm-hmm. one charge like why wouldn't you play that
0: Mhm. <laughs> yep. All right, so that is this week's card of the week. Thank you so much Silverfuse for showcasing that card for us. And uh Silverfuse, we had a lot of fun talking to you today. So thank you so much. But where can people find you and your content on the internet?
2: Well, I'm Silverfuse on most things. Uh, Twitch and YouTube and Twitter, it's SilverfusePlays. I used to have an Instagram, but they randomly banned me for no reason. (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: Starting drama, apparently. I literally (laughs) just
2: put, like, my last picture was, like, me at TwitchCon. Like, I have, like, the most PG Instagram ever. I have no idea why it got banned. Or it's pictures of me literally just in this room. So... They didn't give me a reason. They just uh, said broke community guidelines. And I tried to, um, you know, re- dispute it or whatever. And they had mm-hmm. me like send my name and like my, this code that they gave me and a picture of me. And they said, okay, we manually decided to ban your account. And I'm like, what did I do? I have no idea. <laughs> So maybe I'll make a new one. But at the same time, I hardly used Instagram anyway. Um, you know, I'm a strategy gamer. I'm too busy playing the strategy games <laughs> to take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's only when I travel, which isn't very much. um. So, right, right. yeah. Uh. Yep. That's where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So guys, uh, be sure to check the links in the descriptions. We will be sure to link Silverfuse and all of our content, um, whether you're listening or watching on YouTube. So that's all we got for you today. Thank you again so much. Thank you so much, Silverfuse, for stopping by. I'm really glad we got the chance to talk to you. And I'm really glad I finally have been able to say thank you for that interaction we had many years ago. So thank you for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me. It was so much fun talking with you all.
0: All right. Thanks again to Silverfuse. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm very, I'm so happy that I got to tell her that. Yep. it was really it was really cool. I feel
1: like I could have talked to her a lot more about League of Legends, uh-huh. probably for a couple hours. Yeah. With that. but I was just like, okay, <laughs> it's not about League of Legends. It's
0: about these other games. <laughs> but like, it's it's crazy to me. Well, okay, not crazy to me, but it's 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 very cool to me meeting other. Uh, Creators and other people who have who have been in other games like League and how much Riot kind of just has meant to the space in general, Mm -hmm. like and not just card games, right? But just, um, just like video games in general, they're just Mm -hmm. so massive. Um, And I, I hope, I just, I really hope that Legends of Runeterra. Stays around and sticks Mm -hmm. around because I think Legends of Ruterra is a a good thing for this space. And I think the digital card game space needs the competition. And the competition needs to be fierce. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's just – there's so many games out. And there's just – I mean right now, like right now you've got Runeterra. You have Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. I mean Hearthstone – I feel like Hearthstone is to the digital card game space what Magic is to the tabletop space. Physi- yeah. the physical space yeah, because much. because both of them have those first mover advantages.
1: But Dan, Magic had Magic Online.
0: You know what? That's but 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 hang it on. wasn't great. No, it wasn't. But it is still great. like Magic Online is still around, and yeah. pe- there's a yeah. ton of people who play it and, mm-hmm. and utilize it. Mm-hmm. But why is Magic Online not? Why didn't, why, and this is a topic for another yeah. another day, but mm-hmm. why did Moto never see the success that all these other digital card games yeah, have? Yeah,
1: I feel like that might be another topic for
0: another day. 100, like, 100, 100%. <laughs> we, we, we need to get somebody who's really ingrained into space yep. and just straight talk about that. Yep. Um, and I've got some ideas of who we can talk to Probably about Probably because it and- looks like Dookie. <laughs> All right. It's not that bad. Uh, yeah. So um, that's, like I said, another no, another <laughs> topic for another day. Um, but before we get out of here, Jim, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. You guys can find me on
1: Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Jim Morgan H-N-H.
0: You guys can find me on Twitter at underscore DJ Campbell and Instagram, Daniel.G.Campbell. Campbell. Head over to our website, hobbiesandhappiness.com. You can find links to pretty much all of our social, social accounts, social platforms there. And uh, yeah, again, head, head to the website. You can find links to all the all the hobbies and hobbies and happiness content there. <laughs> um, looking forward, looking forward to the coming weeks, guys. Looking forward to it because we've got stuff. We've got stuff playing. We're gonna be streaming more. Yes. Uh, streaming, streaming more. Um, and we, we've got some other things. It's it's really it's guys. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming around. Um, mm-hmm. We've, uh, I don't know when this is going to air. Uh, if certain things are going to be live yet, I don't yeah. think they're going to be live yet. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward. We're looking forward to the coming weeks and uh, next the next month or two. So stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, again, thanks everybody for being here and we hope to catch you in the next episode. See you, everybody. Take care.